this week's episode, we chat about the benefits of drinking biscuit-flavoured tea, rage against the bastardization of folk traditions around the world, and we chat to Mari, Ash and Al from The Escape Rumour to see what makes them tick. So, here we are sitting in the boozy binky where all the drinks are awkwardly served in those upside-down hamster bottles, taking a quick break after our escape from the corpse of Gavin the Rabbit to have a drink and chat about the room, what we just did. Uh, but first, it's my round. So, who's drinking what? Yo, I'm Mike, and I am drinking a Marks & Spencer's Black Forest Stout Cherry and & Chocolate, and it is very agreeable. Uh, I've drunk most of it, so I've actually got a backup beer in the wings. Uh, but yeah, this is really lovely. It's a 6.5%. So I might, if I do nod off at any point, do just shout very loud and hopefully that'll wake me up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really good. It's it's super sweet. Uh, it's got a good kind of like rich weightiness to it. Um, couldn't do more than one tin of this, I think, without um, needing to have a little nap and a cry. Uh, but yeah, I've got a black Adnams Blackshaw Stout in the wings, which is just a reliable, good old stout from the Adnams Brewery in Southwold. Oh. So yeah. I am well served. I'm going to sleep well tonight or have a fight. Hey, on, a, on a school night as well. You're a brave man. Yeah, I know. Screw Friday, Mike. You can get <laughs> stuffed. Perfect segue because Mike just said he was going to start a fight. I'm drinking beer <laughs> called Octopus Wants to Fight. Now, <laughs> you can tell I only bought it because I liked the name and the design. But basically, uh, to describe for all the listeners at home, it's a giant picture of an octopus with boxing gloves beating the heck out of some fish. Um, and it's from the Great Lakes Brewery. So for those at home, I'm currently in Toronto in Canada. So I went to the supermarket and I was like, what's your most Canadian beer? And then the guy <laughs> wasn't that bothered behind the toilet. He was like, oh, <laughs> like, okay, don't, don't worry. I'm going to come in the back and I'm going to look through all your beers. And I grabbed this one because I actually have an octopus tattoo. So I was like, oh, oh nice. Oh, very cool. The universe is matching up. So I'll just get the most like octopus themed beer in Canada. And, I like yeah, it. Yeah, it kind of matches up. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What's it like? It's really nice. It's very strong. It's 8.8%, which kind of oh, makes it oh. octopus theme. So I guess they've like deliberately made it. Oh. Bloody hell. 8.8% um, beer. It's very hoppy. Like it's quite like, it doesn't go down too well, but <laughs> it's it's an authentic Canadian experience. So I'm just going to go with it. I know you wouldn't like it because it was hoppy. Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. oh. Nice, nice. Perfectly themed as well. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, so I am, well, both Ashlyn and I are actually teetotal. Um, we have been for like probably the last four years, I think. Maybe. Good going. Uh, yeah. Congrats. Well done. University life, I was like, you know, I think I've took, like had my intake of alcohol for my entire life within this short period. <laughs> so uh, I am actually drinking the Yorkshire Tea uh, Biscuit Brew in this enormous mug that is the size of my face. Because That's amazing. Every cup of tea that we have is literally like this size. I should, I like drink tea like an absolute theme in this very on theme mug, which I feel like I could take to a bar and everyone would know that I am a lesbian because it's. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and listeners, uh, Alice does not exaggerate. It is the size of her face. Yes, it is the size. That, that mug is he's got gargantuan. How is how is the biscuit brew? Oh, it's delightful. If you've tried it, they, they do a blood, they do three different ones. They do a biscuit one, which is 10 out of 10, a bedtime one, which is 10 out of 10 for bedtime, and then they do a jam on toast one, which literally tastes like ass. It's awful. Um, <laughs> it's really sweet. Um, Ashram likes it, but I do not. So biscuit, um, biscuit tea obviously tastes like biscuit. Jam on toast, intended to taste like jam on toast. It is. Bedtime taste of bed? Yeah. 
Kind of. It depends. Your bed vanilla and nutmeg. If it is, then yes. Well, um, I don't mean to brag. But... <laughs> <laughs> it is literally delightful. I would highly recommend, and it's the decaf version as well. So that was. Ooh. Those, nice. Ooh, you can't Sold. consume caffeine past three p.m. Yeah. It is ideal. Um, so where does where does one procure said brisket? Brisket, brisket, brew. so that's a different tea. <laughs> New from Bovril, brisket brew. Uh, no. So, sorry, where do we have? Where, where does one find this? I feel like an advert, but any any major supermarket will stock these. At all good okay. supermarkets, the shit ones don't stock it. <laughs> Literally, though. <laughs> if we go to a supermarket and they don't have them, we're like, what are you? Well, you can go to Waitrose and pay double the price of them than you do at Sainsbury's, but. You know, I will on principle. You do. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, so very similar to Al, we have both enormous mugs. We are just very codependent. I think is yeah. what the vibe that's coming out here. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, a, another biscuit brew and in a massive mug because it's it's the evening. It's nice to be cozy. We love a hot. It's drink. convenient. Yeah, I'm done with that. We drink so much tea all the time. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on the jam on toast brew? Equally horrific. So, no, I quite like it, but we never buy it because Alice won't drink it. So, it's <laughs> 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 like I will fight you on this. I don't like the jam on toast one. Uh, so, we have um, the biscuit brews and the bedtime brews. Biscuit brews all day long, working from home, like ten of them probably in these massive mugs, and then get to the evening, get a nice bedtime brew. Settle down for the right. evening. Obviously, that that delicious bed flavour. Mm, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, have you have you done the test where you do like you dunk an actual biscuit into a regular cup of tea and then have the biscuit brew and then wait for it to dissolve and then see if you can taste the difference once you've <laughs> sieved it, so there's no you know crumbs in there or anything. Oh, and that's the next step. Maybe that is the next step. We'll blindfold Alice and, and let her do the test taste test. And it turns out, ah, it's jam and toast flavour. Yeah. <laughs> you, you bamboozled me. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, Alice, when you said you had biscuit brew, I just assumed that was some sort of colloquialism for having a regular cup of tea and then dropping your rich tea in it. And then it just sort of, you know, they become one. And then you're like, ah, delicious. It's thin soup. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a pretty weird field thing that we ever thought. Are any of you familiar with the, uh, the sport of, of uh, tea jousting, by any chance? No, no, no. Uh, I'm still I'm still waiting to challenge somebody. Especially you each get a cup of tea and the same biscuit, and you have to, on the count of three, simultaneously dunk your t- biscuit into the tea for as long as you dare, and then lift it out and then eat it. And no tea can be spilled. The biscuit can't drop back into the mug. And the winner is the person who can submerge their biscuit for the longest, retrieve it un scathed and then consume it without any crumbs wow. and for some reason when i challenge folk in the office for this they just look at me like you know they're going to tell hr on me i think it's a valid sport it sounds amazing jamie is it because you're inviting people to a game of soggy biscuit <laughs> potentially well yeah maybe it's all in the wording they're going to market it yeah. correctly that does explain a lot of the reactions i'm getting anyway hi i'm jamie who is not being pulled up in front of his hr department on a regular basis and i'm drinking a buried treasure which is a raspberry mead from the Y valley brewery uh and i will just show you on the camera the bottle it also has an octopus octopus hey oh that's so meta who's uh giving (laughs) a living beat down onto a treasure chest which is lovely uh yeah it was there last weekend on a mead making course and uh, we sampled many delicious meads and you know when in rome uh by a shit ton of mead it seems to be what it is so 
I got there. I, I, yeah, I've earned a bit of a reputation as the mead man, and it is lovely. Um, it's like twelve and a half percent, so I will be sipping, not quaffing, uh, this mead. But it's a very lovely uh, raspberry flavour. But the bottle will go down quite quickly this evening, I fear. Uh, How do you make mead? I have so many questions about that. You went on a mead making course. It's like a like a honey wine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in theory, it's very simple: uh, honey, water, yeast. And that's it. Um, And then whatever flavors you want to put in it. However, whenever I've tried to make mead, it's never been that simple. And it's ended up tasting like vinegary petrol. So I'm hoping (laughs) this mead making course will set me straight. If I mess this up, then it's not their fault. They're professionals. They've set me right. It is me. I'm just cursed. Um, So I've got a a little gallon of uh, juniper mead in my bedroom, bubbling away over the next week or so, fermenting. So hopefully we'll get a live taste test where you'll get to yeah. see and hear my visceral reaction to my own concoctions. We'll wait. <laughs> oh, can it be like your first taste of it, please, James? I will do my on best. The podcast. Just, just in case we just like we hear you. Just, ah, <laughs> oh, God. just questioning also, every decision I've made up until this point in my life. Also, you missed out the fourth ingredient you mentioned to us, which was uh, the cozy jumper. The cozy jumper? Oh yeah, you yes. said you had Of course. I wrapped it I wrapped the gal the, the bottle in a cozy uh little knitted jumper to keep it at the right temperature. So oh. now it's got it's it's got its own little smock as it's bubbling away. I'm taking better care of it than I am my kids. So um, <laughs> if uh, if anyone asks you what you're doing, you've got to say it's on a need to know basis. You need to <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we've got a spoiler warning for the next section. If you have not yet listened to our previous puzzle episode um, down the rabbit's hole, please stop what you're doing right now. What do you think you're doing? And listen to that. We will wait for you. Not fuck everyone. Uh, right. So <laughs> in the last episode, our, our quartet of uh, quizzical questers were trapped within the cavernous corpse of Gavin the rabbit. Uh, a... Uh, a big, a big bad boss that we thought we'd slain three years ago, who was back because of the machinations of an evil cult, and through some deft sledgehammering, staple gunning, and uh, wonderful wearing of white robes, they succeeded in retrieving the single uh, decorated Easter egg that was powering his resurrection, and luckily stopped him from taking over the world. So, congratulations to the four of you. You did amazingly. Oh, there were Easter eggs. Oh. <laughs> oh shit, spoiler. <laughs> I had something much more eldritch in my head from those descriptions. <laughs> like much more eldritch. I didn't somehow didn't make the jump to Easter eggs. You might have even said Easter eggs, and my brain just blanked the Easter bit out because it was so full of just dark horror. <laughs> I think he said like Jesus a few times and I was like, oh, I, I get it. There's He's a whole thing going on. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I was initially um a little Worried that you would just annihilate the room within minutes because you you got up uh, through through the stomach up into the mouth and back down into the lungs very quickly. But then luckily, when you were in the lungs, that jumper cable puzzle stumped you just long enough, um, and then you debated over the um, the correct egg in the heart. So I, I think pacing wise, you did did really well, and I breathed a sigh of relief. It's it's very clear, by the way, that you three solve puzzles together on a regular basis. It was like watching mm. some sort of well-oiled machine. <laughs> come yeah. into play well al and ash are like more of a well-oiled machine i'm like they're plus one sometimes i feel like <laughs> you guys have been doing it for so many years right yeah I, 
Yeah, it's been a long time now. The, I remember the first one we ever did, though. Do you remember with that, the um, the three blind mice puzzle and the bottles? I've never forgotten that. That was so a very whole... good first room to, to get us into the escape room genre. We did start off with a good one because there was a good range of puzzles, like musical nice. things, all sorts. It was, it was very Oh, wow. Where was that? Um, that was in the Lake District. So we were on holiday with my family and um, we just happened to... It was a rainy day on holiday, so we were like, oh, should we try doing this? Because we can't go out and do much because it's miserable. And we had the best time. And then immediately after coming back off holiday, we were like, we need to do some more of these. And (laughs) and started doing escape rooms all the time. It was cliffhanger rooms in the Lake District. That's what it was. And it was like a haunted pirate-based game. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, we literally put on those pirates hats and we were like, this is what we should do for us. We are like, this is yeah. our calling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's spend all of our money on this hobby. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been it's been it's been good, hasn't it? We've done we've done many now. Like I can't we our spreadsheet was so up to date and that we've just let it slide. Oh no. We've we've not actually done one together, have we, mate? No, not yet. I know from we we've done we did some um, some virtual room solving mm. through COVID, um, and that was a good laugh. But yeah, I think basically the best combination I've found uh, for us actually solving rooms is Jamie, my wife, and a bottle of wine. Um, yeah, that's fair. So <laughs> Laura plus wine plus Jamie covers just about all the puzzle bases. <laughs> that's <laughs> to be, Yeah, to be fair, wine makes escaping easier. I think it it does lubricate the brain cells just enough. Um, the, you start to make those those neural connections before it starts to tip over into I'm I'm asleep. That's not, yeah. that's not good. Laura, Laura's brain has this kind of like WD forty effect. It's just like a little bit of wine goes in, and as long as you keep the wine going in, it's just yeah. fluid. I think you're right though. Like a little bit of inhibition goes down, and you like voice the things you wouldn't normally voice, and that ends up being useful to the actual puzzle. Mm. For sure. Mm. It's gone to the point where I, I will just narrate my thought processes in an escape room. I'm like doing commentary on my own actions. And it irritates, I think, everybody else who's with me because they're not being able to think. But eventually, one day, one of them will go, oh, Jimmy talked about that key over there. <laughs> well, <laughs> J- well, Jamie, I mean, if we were on Pedagodzilla right now, I'd be talking to you about how uh, Vygotsky and uh, social constructionism, you know, the kind of the, the, the articulation of thought, uh, leading to understanding, but we're not on that podcast, so we won't. I will won't pretend I understood co- what that meant. We won't talk about cognitive psychology. All right, <laughs> <laughs> different podcast. That one's tomorrow. You're yeah. recording that. Yeah. <laughs> we are to talk about rabbits and eggs because, as you yes. all know, rabbits famously lay eggs. Anything you want to tell us exciting about the room? Any Easter eggs? Any <laughs> any uh, callbacks? I'd forgot. I'd, I'd forgotten that it was three years ago. I can't believe it was three years ago. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so as soon as I realised that this episode would be going out either on or around Easter, I remembered that there was a Gavin the Rabbit episode from years ago, um, which was released on Easter, I believe, as well. And yeah, I never had done like a sequel episode. I've had to go back to a previous episode, The Aftermath, and trying to do something with that. I ended up going literally down a rabbit hole of facts and things. Oh, terrible. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> so like when you were going, um, you, and you had to force open the gullet to crawl back up through uh, into the mouth. Uh, that's because rabbits can't vomit. They're incapable of doing so. So you literally had to force your way back up. Rabbits can't vomit? Nope. It has to go down. Everything goes down. Huh. Can't vomit. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, I think a lot of like rodents and stuff just don't have the equipment to do so. Um, so that's where you had to do it. Do it yourself. I don't think they've got like flower clocks painted on their gullet, though. That was an addition by me, more than anything else. <laughs> 
I genuinely thought the flower clock was like a bit that you needed to vomit for a second there, Jamie, until you put that into context. I thought that was like, I thought that was a piece of digestive equipment. Um, and then, yeah, with the teeth smashing it with the with the sledgehammer, rabbits are one of the species that their teeth never stop growing. Um, I presume you know, death stops it, but, you know, it's a magical giant rabbit corpse. So I, th- I think death probably stops it. Otherwise, we'd all be ankle deep in rabbit teeth. <laughs> Every dead rabbit ever just continues growing teeth. I mean, there's a reason why you know, archaeologists have to dig down several meters to get to his, oh, history. Rabbit teeth it's all, the whole way rabbit down. teeth just turned to soil. That's what it is. That is half fucking horrendous. <laughs> as I thought. But I, when I was like looking at um, different like, Easter things that I could put into there, um, just looking at just how much stuff has just been co-opted from other religions into what we now know as easter <clears throat> like the date the name the eggs everything else so the eggs uh the painting of easter eggs is like a ukrainian tradition right. um oh. i got the name of it um i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation pisanka um and like no one no one painted eggs at all until uh people from the ukraine immigrated to the u.s and then like most things once it gets to the u.s it just goes because they can make money out of it um, but it's like an old, it's like a pre-Christian tradition. Um, so there's the, whatever the religion was, the folk religions in Ukraine at the time, worship the sun god. And uh, because he's the god of the sun, god of the sky, his like special um, animal, sacred animal was birds. And because birds always fly, you can never reach them. But what you can reach are the eggs that they drop. And that's like a connection between you and God. So the reason why they painted them is because they held them sacred. Oh, that's so cool. And they go into the US and they go, we'll make it out of chocolate and you fucking eat them. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we think of your faith. (laughs) (laughs) Happens a lot. The commercialization, commodification even. (laughs) Let's take a folk religious festival and we can make money off it and give everybody diabetes at the same time. It's (laughs) win-win. Looking at you, Halloween. And Easter, <laughs> See, Valentine's Day. These things, except for the day after when everything's on sale. Like I, I will nah, not pay full price mm. for one of these. So <laughs> that is smart. Oh, I like that. Yeah, Easter yeah. two electric boogaloo. Looking, <laughs> looking oh, forward yeah. to it. Mm. <laughs> oh. Like a like a sack, like shoveling. This will last for three years. <laughs> two pound fifty lint egg. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Size of a small dog. Perfect. <laughs> Right, I believe uh, the bell for last orders. So we will cease talking about uh, the puzzle and we will talk to our wonderful guests. So welcome, Mari, Al and Ash to the podcast. I know you've introduced yourselves very briefly in the puzzle episode, but for the listeners that are coming into this um, episode, potentially completely cold from the previous one, which is weird, but you never know. Just in case the folks don't know, tell us a little bit about yourselves and the escape room. So... The three of us together make up part of a team escaping the closet, but we also write for The Escape Rumor. So The Escape Rumor is a news and review site about the whole of the UK escape room industry. So new escape rooms opening, reviews, everything possible about the puzzle industry in the UK we write about. Um, but yeah, we also review and play escape rooms together. So I think three of us are going on holiday with another friend, Tasha. Um, shout out to Tasha. Uh, <laughs> this made to Amsterdam, so we like to like go away and like play a lot of escape rooms together. So we're definitely all enthusiasts in the industry as well. Oh, <laughs> nice! What are you most looking forward to in Amsterdam? Oh, stay in the dark. I literally can't wait. You are not me. <laughs> I, I'm kind of dreading stay in the dark, and that's not because I'm scared particularly, but I'm nervous about how scared everyone else is going to be and <laughs> what position that will leave me in. 
Yeah, if you've got to carry the rest of the rest of <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not that I'm afraid. I'm just afraid how afraid everybody else is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, in case it's catching. I mean, no, no. Ash is serious. Like, I think we're all going to be, like, unconsolable, like, hiding in the corner, and she's going to have to do the whole room without us. Good. What is this? What is this yeah, thing? this sounds pretty pretty horrific. Is it like this, yeah. someone like chased you with a chainsaw while you're solving puzzles or something? So it's this like enormous space that you can only book up to three months in advance wow. because the building that they're doing it in is going to be demolished, <laughs> oh, and they wow. don't know whether they're going to still have the space. So it's like a two and a half hour experience that you're in, and it's basically like you're in your own. It's like an immersive experience that Ooh. like. But a lot of enthusiasts have like written about it online and written really good things about like just saying you don't really know what it is until you've done it. One of those kind mm. of things. So, yeah, we saw it, and uh, I know like I am a bit of a wimp, but I also know that our friend Tasha is. <laughs> I have played escape rooms with her before. I've had like five actors in. Where has she? She in in normal life, she is fine. In everyday life, she is fine. But in those months, she has spent the majority of the time sat on the floor in front of the trapdoor that the live actor wants to come through. And then after the room is finished, they were like, "We couldn't get in because one of you was sat down crying." <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, yeah, of course we're going to go and play this intensely horrifying room. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, the, one of the like one of the blurb things was don't play if you've got a fear of heights. What does that mean? Uh, wow. there's, a, there's a base jump at the end. We have to leap off the roof I before the building it. falls. <laughs> I mean, Escape the Condemned Warehouse is enough of, an, you know, of a horror show in itself, but good God, that sounds incredible. Oh, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing for it. And they were playing the Dome as well. Oh, I've heard about oh, the nice. Dome. Everybody talks about the Dome. I'm so jealous. And does. And I'm like, what does it mean? Like, why? How is it so good? So we're going to play the Dome and find out why. Uh, you have to let us know how you get on because that, that sounds like an amazing holiday. Uh, yeah, so Ash and I, we've heard your Escape Room origin story. Mary, Mary, what's your introduction to Escape Rooms? Wow, so I feel like I'm a little bit later to the Escape Room industry than most people. and um, Because Escape Rooms are what, like since 2013 in the UK? So I feel like mm. even as a country, we're slightly later than most others. But I didn't play my first one until 2017, I think. And that was a little escape room in the, U- uh, in the UK, obviously, in London called Cube Escape. And if I remember correctly, Ooh. I don't think it runs anymore, but it was just this one guy and he'd like hired out this really random like office building. So we had to like walk through like banks and like, I don't know, <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> and he'd like hired this, literally this like office space and he built something out of like corrugated iron and like cardboard and like staples. It was really strange. But the thing is, he loved what he did and it translated. Like it was just so fun, so full of passion. And on the train home, I was like, I was like, guys, sh- should we just like book the next one already? Like, should we book another one? And kind of the rest is history. But I guess my origin's slightly different because I'm more of an escape room designer these days. So from that first escape room, I was like, this is a thing that's going to happen. And I actually, from that moment, applied for a job working for an escape room because I was like, this is what I love immediately. I was already doing a bit of work in like murder mysteries, like live events, theater and stuff like that. But then the moment I played my first escape room, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And the rest is history, kind of that. So for me, it was very much like I was hooked from the first moment, but I kind of like took it a little bit too far, which my partner will tell you, I take everything a bit too far. I like play something, I like it. And I'm like, I'm going to make this my entire life from now on. <laughs> that was about five years ago. And I think we can all attest, I have made it my entire life for better or for worse. So I'm still here. Still I like it. 
what's the uh, if you're able to to find to pick one what project where you've you sort of either most proud to have worked on or one that you sort of sticks in your brain is going you know yeah that that was an absolute banger Oh, that's a really tricky question. So I I think, as you probably know, Jamie, I recently worked on Dimensions with mm. Mysterious Package Company. And that was like nothing ever I did before because that was a 3D pop-up environment. So we kind of went like, we want to make an escape room that someone can play at home, but we don't want it to be like digital or something. We want someone to feel like they're in a room. So we constructed this massive house and there's eight rooms inside and every single room has like different things going on. So that's nice. probably my most like recent exciting project. Um, but the one that I'm most interested in right now is probably um, do you guys know Eleven Puzzles? We do hmm. we do video games together. Um, so that one is a unique challenge because that one is about like splitting the gameplay in two. So each player has half of the puzzle. And what that means for like the gameplay, it it creates totally different puzzles. Like because normally in an escape rooms, you guys know, you go in, you can see everything, you put it out on the table in front of you. But with this one, we're like the two players are completely separated. So it's all about how you describe what you're seeing. So kind of like how you described it, Jamie, as we were like going through the room that you invented. It's like, what can we see? What's relevant? What's not? But we try and create that in the video game format of like, you can see that room in front of you, but your friend, your opponent can't see that. So how do you and what do you prioritize to communicate? For, for somebody coming to Sheffield, what is like the one room that you'd be like, this is the room to do in Sheffield? We're really big fans of the Cryptology branch. Mm -hmm. So they're like a chain. They've got rooms in Nottingham. They've got rooms in Sheffield. They used to have rooms in Barnsley, um, which we played both of theirs, but then they closed, which was really sad. Oh. But one of those is one of the first rooms where they had like a, a wheelchair in the room. It was like a kind of like a creaky old hospital. And uh, that was a bit scary. And we'd spent the time wheeling our friend around and because she was scared. <laughs> 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 it definitely <made> less scary. <laughs> like, ah. What do you do, Ash? Do you reckon cryptology? That would be... Yeah, yeah. Seconded cryptology. Um, all of their rooms are good. But I think First Contact, which is like an alien room, it's really like tactile. There's lots of very um, sort of doing you get things. To use um, you get oh, to have good. a shower. Mm. There's cool things in that room. There are yeah. cool things in that room. Oh, and then nice. the, the time, the time clock thing for it. Instead of counting down sixty minutes, it tells you how much air. I think it is how much. Oh, air oh that's good. <laughs> and so yeah, it's a I percentage see. rather than a time. Um, so obviously working on a base of 100, not 60. So you've kind of got to be like, how long do we actually have left? <laughs> just to um, do extra maths just to figure out how long before you die. Just, uh, just carry the two. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's okay. I've, I've just added that to my want to go because we've got some friends of the podcast who live in Sheffield as well, uh, oh, who I'm long yeah. overdue a visit of. Um I used to go, I used to go to a lot of lands in Sheffield as well, land parties. So I need oh, to uh, nice. to get down there again. So yeah, I, I that's my one to go list. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Any of the cryptology rooms, and if you can make it to Nottingham, Nottingham's a big hub of escape rooms. Uh, cryptology have got a room called Daylight Robbery, which is a get as much as you can room. Ashley and I played it uh, just as a two. Normally it's like four to eight, but there were, it's so big. There were some rooms we didn't even go in. Like oh, wow. in that escape, and we were like, "This is insane. so." That's one we've got to go. We need to go play it again, definitely at some point. Like, but that was yeah. If you're down this way and you want to climb through some lasers, then 
Sold yes puzzles. yes i do yeah. so sold so so sold yeah so good you get the full hour as well like i know i don't know about you guys but sometimes you know when you go into a room and you know you're gonna have like what like half an hour 40 minutes yeah. in there and that'll be a good stint this one we got out and it was like we it was the whole hour we were in there and i don't even think i spoke to ash for most i'm sold yeah what is it about it that keeps you coming back to do them it's a good question it's a big question it is for me it's like i think it's an escape from reality i i, I as simple as that right it's doing something you could never do in your day-to-day life be it robber bank or like go to a fantasy world it's it's just a lot of fun like if, if i was like sit down and think okay i want to spend time with my friends this weekend what should we do should we do bowling should we do darts or should we go on to the moon fight aliens like i feel like it's a no-brainer that's fair that's me anyway 100% agree with that like some of the best nights we've had have been like random sunday nights where we've been in sheffield and we've just been lying to our friends like should we drive to Ripford? and like (laughs) that's like an hour's drive from here you have to go on three motorways our friends who will be like you know what yeah let's go do that and then you end up like eating in like some weird like we've eaten in some really weird restaurants because there's only select places that are open on like tuesdays at like, <laughs> six o'clock when you're in Redford. so yeah there no, it's definitely that escape for reality but like around the whole escape we always have a lot of fun like traveling getting there and then like debriefing afterwards with like a lot of our friends are really into them as well like we have a lot of people who we've taken both of our families have like do them with us now where we go anywhere they're like so where are we escaping thank you but yeah no we've uh we've taken a lot of people on it's been good and like without it we wouldn't have met maori and like things like yeah. that so Aww. yeah it's been it's been really nice and the escape from reality 100 percent during covid it was great as well like just being able to log online and like do something completely different every yeah. Week. yeah like it was cool i love it, it was good what about you ash yeah, really similar. Um, but yeah, that, that escape from reality, you just can't think about anything else when you're in there. It's so good. If if you're stressed about work, if you're stressed about anything, like you go mm. in an escape room and you can't think about mm. anything else because you, you've got to sort it out. You've got to solve the puzzles. You've got to get out. Like it's, I love that sort of just forget about everything else and just get on with it. Um, and it really does bring everyone together like Alice said we we do have sort of like our standard team like we do we do the online puzzles with Mari and our friend Tasha and we've got our holiday coming up and things like that but pretty much anyone that we've introduced to escape rooms and been like do you fancy coming on an escape room with us have loved it and been like yeah let's do another when we do in our next escape so we've got so many little groups of friends that that want to come and escape with us it's it's just such a nice fun thing to do yeah, yeah, I love it. This, I suppose, hopefully that corporations don't cotton on to that fact and just start slamming sixty-minute timings in front of people's desks, going, "Go!" <laughs> you have to type in this. And you have to finish Excel in the next sixty minutes. Otherwise, the entire company won't get Microsoft three six five. So, Alice, it's interesting you said about uh, in lockdown as well, because I know we found Jamie on the podcast that during lockdown we had a lot. of people wanting to come on and solve mm. with us like in our friendship group just because they found it a good way to connect and i think it's it's having that kind of that group activity that you can engage in that isn't another bloody zoom mm. call yeah, or another bloody remote pub quiz that it's actually yeah. you know, something that's tickling different parts of your brain um, that you can all do together and have a bit of bit of a laugh about 
There was a thing that I don't know if you guys know Heiner, who does the skate groomers D. Yeah. He set up this like Sunday night competition thing in lockdown where everyone did the same online puzzle oh, at the cool. same time. And then that was like a whole Facebook site and me and Ashlyn and our friend Tasha, we were doing that every week. So everyone would sign up and everyone would pay, like normally the company that were doing it would give like a reduced fee. So you'd pay like a fiver for this. So they were still getting money because there was like 50 to 100 people all paying for your room. And then um, they'd produce like a leaderboard of it and everything like that. And that was really cool. Like the Team Squared were playing it oh, as well. Nice. It. So it was really fun to just like compare ourselves to them as well and like see how they sold stuff. But And then we brought Marion to play yeah. those as well. So that was <laughs> ace. In what I loved it. I would still do those now if they were around. Like super competitive. It was so much yeah. fun. It's like one of the, one of the silver lanes of, of that whole like awful three-year period was just the explosion of escape rooms and escape games <laughs> The, the community around that just went massive and is incredible was forced online weren't they it was kind of like it was uh it was like oh my god i have this this love and i need to have an outlet yeah. for it online now i spent so much money on kickstarters that year it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> go on then i'm not gonna see it for the next decade but I'll go on then <laughs> i am so is anybody else super stoked for steps um book nook kickstarter oh, yeah. i'm really excited yeah, I'm just like that's. Yeah. I'm I'm utterly in yeah. love with the whole idea. It looks yeah. cool. Oh, I'm going to talk to you about that, Mike. But later. <laughs> <laughs> Has he made one out of chocolate? <laughs> Not yet, but I'll put the put a good word in and see what we can get. <laughs> step does good chocolate. I was thinking, you know, if we could follow the step model for your mead, where Ooh. step became an accidental chocolatier who happened to wrap amazing chocolate in puzzles. I, I would, I'd be could... more than happy to wrap delicious mead with puzzles. <laughs> uh, however, I refer you back to step one. Make drinkable meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how much dog chocolate do you think Step went through before he hit on that? that I mean, that's fair. I mean, I could, I could just buy the, buy them from the Y Valley Meadery, take the labels off, and replace them with my own. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Say nothing. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and so, for for you, when when you're playing rooms, from your personal experience, what what is it that makes the difference between? A good room that ticks all the boxes and a room that you go, that was absolutely banging. That was amazing. I think for me, it's just when everything really makes sense and it clicks. Um, there's been some rooms that we've done where it's it's taken us a lot of time, but everything's made sense and it's been so satisfactory when we've when it when we've gone, ah, and like you've tried something the first time and you're nearly there, but you've not quite got it. And there's an additional step. And then you're like, ah, I really like when it all makes sense and it clicks. Um, and a really good example of that is in Macclesfield, um, their escape rooms. Alice, can you remember what they're called? Escape Quest. Escape Quest. Escape Quest in Macclesfield. They are incredible. Um, just everything is really well designed there's loads to it like you take the full time it's the sort of like the concept of get as much as you can there's like a a minimum to pass the to pass the game and and complete it but it's like get as much as you can and it's just so immersive um i mean you've you've got to do it to sort of <laughs> understand the the sort of the level of immersion that, that you get from it but um and i don't want to spoiler anything too much but it's it's just everything clicks everything makes sense and so you get that real satisfaction that you've done a good job of solving it mm. um obviously it's, it's great when things click really quickly and you get through it but it's nice to know that it's a, a big chunky puzzle and you've got through it and and it's all made sense oh yeah that, i love it anyway that's cool <laughs> what about you, you al 
I, I'm going to say something way more basic than that. I think I literally am a sucker for like a hidden door or a crawl space. Mm. Like we've done a couple of rooms where we've ended up in the ceiling. I oh. am such a bad ceiling that there was one in um, Margate that was um, Patrol Alt Escape. I've done that one. Yeah. Are you thinking? Yeah. The one that's like Red Dwarf. Yes. <laughs> you end up in the, they've closed it now, which is such a shame. But um, yeah, you ended, you finished in a roller coaster of a spaceship that like physically yeah. moved. It was insane. But you I like, knackered my knees in the ducting yeah, on that one. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> like, you were like climbing around the ceiling and you were like shouting down into the main room. Oh, to do cool. That was so cool. No, we were both up there because we were idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so we both went up and down there the same time several times in our 30s with our ancient knees. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> yeah anything, anything like that. No, I absolutely love I'm it. Dumb. But also, I have, I'm like a, considering I have such a wimp, I think one of the, the rooms that I've spoken the most about are the ones that have a bit of a scare. Mm. I always like a bit of a scare. It's so, like, the immersion. And I think also it just, like, brings everyone just has to come together and be <laughs> like... And then afterwards, you're just like, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Gets the blood pumping. <laughs> I love it. What about you, Mary? That's a really big question. I guess for me, I like anything that stands out as like really special is something that did something a little bit more than a typical escape room. Mm-hmm. So something beyond like locks and keys and you have to escape. Um, I really like the rooms that make you like score points and things like that. Mm. Like a little bit of replayability. And like, I guess like it's the question, like, do you count things like Phantom Peak as an escape room? Like it has escape room elements, yeah. but it's infinitely replayable and seasonal as well. So you can come back winter, summer, and it's completely changed. For me, those are kind of the things that take an escape room from this is really fun to, oh my God, this is something incredible. So my favorite one at the moment is actually a one that just opened up in Edinburgh, Scotland, and it's called Case Closed. Mm. And it's 90 minutes long. And it's um, it's not really an escape room because you are detectives and you have to solve a crime, but you're not like just unlocking keys and locks and padlocks and stuff. You're actually solving the crime. So you have like fingerprint analysis tools, like weapons analysis tools. Like they make you really think like, okay, like is cool. this isn't an escape room. This is like, how would I solve this if I was a real detective? And there's like live actors and stuff. And they just do it really... <laughs> cleverly i think it's i think it's kind of like almost coming towards the next generation of what an escape room is like Mm. know what escape rooms are now but that's a limited model because if you're an escape room owner like once someone's played your room they won't come back Mm. so what does the next one look like and i'm really interested in that like i think something that makes a really special escape room to me is something that feels a little bit next level from the general consensus of what's now which is where you see things like the Topeka award winners yeah. they tend to be escape rooms more on that side of the next generation of what's possible within the medium as well. And I think that's really clever. So yeah, for me, it's something that does something different narratively or like gameplay wise as well. I love it. That's amazing. But that is our time. Uh, the bell for last orders has rung and my mead is almost out. So we shall see you next time on the infinite escape room where we are escaping from a penguin enclosure. We love you lots, and we'll see you next time on The Infinite Escape Room. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The next generation of what's possible within the medium as well. And I think that's really clever. So, yeah, for me, it's something that does something 
different narratively or like gameplay wise as well. I love it. That's amazing. But that is our time. Uh, the bell for Lost Orders has rung and my mead is almost out. So we shall see you next time on the Infinite Escape Room where we are escaping from a penguin enclosure. We love you lots and we'll see you next time on the Infinite Escape Room. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>